the key is it's giving power up that's not serving you. It's so it's being in power. So you are, for those of you that are listening, my hands are over. <laughs> but when you are in power, in other words, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to say, I'm sorry, I'm never giving anything up because I will feel I'm going to lose power. Then you really are in a power over position. You're maintaining that. So you do have to lose that power over to come equal. And that's the concept of what empowered is. The empowered means you're inside yourself. And in empowerment, you're so much more connected. So you're not actually going under the person. You're going equal to the person. That's the assumption that we're busting. When you give up being in power, you don't go under. You go more even. And that's the beauty. So let go of that assumption. Welcome to Therapist Uncensored. Building on decades of professional experience, this podcast tackles neurobiology, modern attachment, and more in an honest way that's helpful in healing humans. Your session begins now with Dr. Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Kelly. And I'm Sue Marriott. And today's episode, we are going to just cover some nitty gritty kind of concrete, easy stuff. (laughs) It's easy, problematic stuff. Let's talk about the assumptions. We all make different assumptions based on our own projections of what we feel on other people. And let's talk about assumptions that can just kick us in the butt that we don't even know are doing that because they're just our assumptions, right? Right. So first one that I was thinking about, you know, have you ever like not asked somebody something because you think, well, if they wanted me to know, they would tell me. Yes. Yeah. If they, if they wanted to talk about it, they would, or I I don't want to make them uncomfortable by asking them a question. That's a great one to start with because you can feel the projection in that. Some of us would think that some of us, it would never cross our mind. We would be prying maybe at agnosia, but there's a projection there, right? And that likely comes from individuals who feel a little reserved about having questions asked and have intimacy coming towards them so that because it makes them uncomfortable or it makes you uncomfortable, it's very easy to project that out on everybody. If they want me to know, they're going to tell me. I'm not going to ask. That's prying. Right. So what we're here to tell you is that while there may be circumstances that that's true, in general, it is better to ask And this is why, that you are indicating a couple of things. You're indicating interest in the other person. They don't know that you're curious about whatever it is that you're thinking about that you're not asking. And almost everybody likes that. They like to talk about themselves and they like somebody being interested in them. And then two, even if they don't want to talk about it, you're trusting them to set that boundary. You're trusting them that they can say no. And my guess is if you're not used to asking questions, you're probably not going to ask that intrusive of a question. It's probably going to be just something <laughs> true. pretty minor. <laughs> and the reason that we want to really kind of shake this up is because you could be unintentionally propagating this neglect that maybe you've been through or that you're with your relationships. Like, because you're basically requiring the other person to know that you're interested, to know that they want to talk about it, to risk bringing it up without even being asked. <laughs> so you're putting a whole lot of emotional labor on the other person. And you don't even know it. You're not meaning to. You're trying to be polite. Yeah, you're trying to go about what you want. You think it would be easier. Again, getting back to the fact that it's based on projections rather than... And if you feel like, you know, I think you brought up if you ask them. And if it is too much, you want to trust them that they're going to speak up, but maybe you're nervous about that. Maybe. So you could actually start with that. Hey, I was curious about, do you feel comfortable talking about that? 
hey, I would really want to know, you know, blah, blah, blah. Are you comfortable talking about that? You get to ask. You get to put it in there. You get to insert. Sometimes I'm worried about asking because I think I'm prying. You can put in your negative assumptions or your assumptions, throw it out there. But when I think about folks who struggle with this, if somebody said, yeah, that makes me uncomfortable, they would be mortified, right? Ah. So it's also just like you don't want to make them even feel awkward. Right. So again, this goes to our point, which is just that typically it's going to be kind of an intimacy hiccup, as you like to say, Anne. I have a, yes. I have a little hic- I have a hiccup there. It's an intimacy <laughs> hiccup for you. And yes. again, we're promoting awkward conversations. We're promoting awkward moments because even if that's messy, it's moving in the direction of interpersonal relating, which is better than sitting back in our safety zone and not getting closer with anybody and not letting anybody know that you're interested in them. And one of the things to get there too in that situation is you have to find your interest. Oh yeah, that's true. You actually have to be interested. (laughs) (laughs) Another assumption could be that you're next to or around somebody, but you're in your own space and a presumption is they are too. So you might be sitting right next to them, ongoing, ongoing, but you're in your own world and you project on them that they're perfectly fine with that and comfortable with that. And so that's a projection because you might be a little bit insular and in your own non-reaching out space, you might project that on other people and then presume they're fine. So then let's say I'm that person and somebody asks me a question. Now, here's another move that we see made a lot that we want to kind of disrupt, which is that you answer it with a word (laughs) (laughs) or work is good. Like if you can hear the answer is there's nothing to see here, move along. And it's not because you're trying to be a jerk. It's not because you're pushing away. It really is like you can't fathom what they would want to know or what might be important enough to share. So if you get a question, really, we want you to hear it as a bid for connection. They don't really care that much about the answer. It's just a bid. Like, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your day. How was your day? So fine. It's not, you know, the G-rated version of that is freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So don't tell them those things about yourself. Yeah, that's the G-rated version. So instead, just hear it. Like, it's easier to answer when you recognize it as just like, hey, how you doing? Isn't like, are you dying or not? And I'm fine. It's a slight like, hey, I'd like to hear a little bit from you. You know? Yeah, because what that presumption is that you might be making is they're only asking questions to get the information. So if you struggle... Right. That, it's not data. <laughs> right. The reason you ask a question is because you actually have you know, like a question to ask. Then you're making the assumption. You really want the answer. You're making the presumption that they're only asking the question to get the information. When really what we're talking about in this whole idea of secure relating in general is having interest in the other person and feeling the mutuality back. So finding your curiosity, accessing that, really, really important. Totally. What's another one? So another one is the other side of that. And that is if you have an intense feeling and you feel like you need to get it worked out, there's the assumption that the other person, because you're feeling so big, the other person needs to stop and make that happen for you. And that is an assumption that you're feeling this pressure There's the presumption somebody should take care of that because if I feel a lot, somebody needs to do something about it. You know, another version for me is if I feel something big, I assume that it's obvious. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. And I have learned through my own therapy that it is not obvious at all. So then when people aren't taking care of me when I'm having a big feeling, it is not necessarily that they don't care or neglecting me. 
it is up to me to use my words, <laughs> use my big girl words and let somebody know what I'm feeling or what I need in a way that they can catch and that they can respond to going back to what you're saying as far as not flooding them. And with that assumption that they know what you're feeling, you get kind of double injured. So first of all, whatever you're feeling upset about is already there and now they're just ignoring it. So now you're really pissed off. So that presumption is when we talk about assumptions that can kick us in the butt, that's an assumption that can kick you twice, right? So they know how I'm feeling and they're still not doing anything about it. Now I'm really feeling upset. That's right. So I like now, it. Use the big girl word. <laughs> big girl words. So another one that we see often is when somebody does begin to have close enough relationships to get feedback, which is good, then they misinterpret that feedback. Let's say you've disappointed me. That's a hard one for you. <laughs> but you hear, in other words, a complaint becomes about a personality qual. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And I, I've certainly done it where somebody's really yeah. just trying to tell me some small thing mm -hmm. and my pride or my narcissism or my ego, I turn it into this huge thing and then I have to defend myself or I take it in and then I feel like crap about myself. But the other person in both cases is not going to feel heard. It's not going to promote them sharing what their thoughts and feelings are. So what you want to do is like try to hear it where that when you say it back to the other person, they would go, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, and if you're going to say something like you think I'm a total asshole, I doubt yeah. the person's going to go, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. What I mean. yeah, you so got that you right, Sue. <laughs> the assumption under that is that if somebody has a critique of me, it means something bad about me. So that's the underlying assumption. If I've messed up, something's really messed up about me. So that's an assumption that can really kick you in the butt to kind of really look at. And we want to even again, flip that. If somebody's giving you feedback, that is a very positive sign in a relationship. So for example, let's go to kids. If your kids complain about a rule, that is great because now they're working with you and they're letting you know where they are and they're wanting to be included. And it might be a good time to update the rule, not to change it or be, you know, to be pushed over by it, but to recognize it as, oh, this is healthy relating. And they're giving me feedback about my parenting, which is always very hard to take, of course. But that is a positive thing that we want to promote. So that's another good reason to work on your catch. I love that example because that's also a good example of an assumption. So the kid's complaining about your rule. If you make the presumption that a complaint means you're really seriously doing something wrong or something's wrong about you. That your kid is something messed up because they're complaining. Oh, good point. That they, they shouldn't be doing it. You immediately go to defense or explaining. Well, here's why the rule's there. Oh my God, I remember doing that. So it's like, you don't like the rule. Let me explain to you why the rule's there. That's actually a place of it's not okay for my kid to have discomfort. So if it means something negative about me or my role, I have to run a defense rather than giving some room for that. Exactly. So the move would be to swallow the oomph, you know, the initial, you know, oh no. And instead, you know, tell me more, you know, what bothers you about it? How long has this bothered you? What's your idea that it should be? The goal isn't to fix it. It's to help the person who's coming to you has thoughts about it and they've risked letting you know. So your job is just get them to get all of their thoughts and feelings out and you just listen. Like you don't have to change it in that moment. Or, I mean, it's kind of a silly thing. I think most people listening would, you know, negotiate with their kids to some degree, right? Like not, not let them be in charge, but at the same time, absolutely. They have a voice and it's like a co-regulatory plan of like, what do they think? 
Why do they think that way? It's a good chance to get to know your kid. Well, and actually, if if you don't recognize this assumption, you might jump into negotiating faster before it's even reasonable because you can't tolerate the person being upset. And so it means something about you. So now you become really anxious about the rule because something's wrong. We're breaking this assumption. Somebody can have a complaint and whether it's reasonable or not is not the point. You're okay either way. The assumption is somebody having a complaint, you're okay either way. You're already okay. You've got this. That's a great one. That You, you know, again, hand over your heart, you're human and you're absolutely already okay, and you have the resources to manage this. What's another one, Ann? So another assumption I think that we can run the risk of doing is if I work really hard to do something pleasing to you, you're going to appreciate it. You're going to love me more. You're going to have some level of more appreciation for me. So by pleasing you, I'm going to be noticed. And that is actually an assumption that a lot of people fall under that is really kicks them in the butt because it's like, okay, I keep doing all this pleasing and you're not noticing. The pleasing isn't always going to be what gets you noticed. And honestly, it's not always what's going to get you respected if you're kind of invisible in that request. So pleasing more, whether it's your children or your friends, being overly pleasing does not correlate with being necessarily valued more. It absolutely doesn't. And as a matter of fact, if you're the recipient of someone's kind of pleasing behavior, it doesn't promote intimacy. Like you said, it can make them invisible because they're invisible to themselves to some degree because they're not noticing the cost of them giving. But usually it's not really what the person wants. Like for me, if somebody's overly giving me something, it's actually off-put. It's uncomfortable. What I would rather is to hear where they really are like right. whatever that is. And so then if it, the, the pleasing person is just filling everybody's lemonade and filling everybody's lemonade and filling everybody's lemonade, yeah, there is a way that that makes you invisible, but also like, I don't want 10 glasses of lemonade. Well, and inevitably, unfortunately, as human nature has it, at times it means that you will actually get devalued. So totally. you're working so hard to do everything for your kids or everything for your spouse and you all of a sudden feel like a little bit more disdain and discomfort from them. People can get perplexed by that. I do all this and they just feel angry at me. It, it, a lot of that response can be unconscious on their part because it's this place where they can't feel you in it. And so it actually is a defense to push you away. Well, I really like that. But I was thinking about the same example, but a different take on it, which is, let's say the breadwinner who's working, 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 how could you not be happy? Look at everything I'm giving you. Oh, point taken. But you're not giving them what it is that they're actually wanting related to that right brain, right brain connection. So you can make an Excel spreadsheet of all the things that you do or all the stuff that you're giving or how much money or whatever to the great school and the private school. And fortunately, that's not going to give that feeling of feeling felt and a feeling known and a feeling close. But it might be just kind of what you know to give, I get that. But then it's like, okay, then take the responsibility of learning what this right to right looks like. And guess what? You're going to have to do less of some things and more of other things that actually might be harder for you, but about being with them, being with your people. So the assumption that we're busting on that one is if I'm a great provider, that's all I need to do. If I'm the one covering all this, I've worked my butt off and I'm exhausted at the end of the day. I've done what I need to do to be that good person or to be that good right. parent or whatever it is. And so that assumption 
what you're saying is, is checking that that actually is an assumption based on your own projections of what your value what is, is, not really on what the value is in the relationship. So I think that's what we're talking about is the core of this is that think about your assumptions and where you come from and that those, that impacts every one of your relationship, those assumptions, but you got to question them and then have mutuality in asking, Hey, my assumption in this business relationship is that I'm going to be doing a, B and C and that's, what's good for you. And asking that question could really like, I'm going to tell you what my assumption is not in the middle of a conflict. I'm going to say, here's my assumption. You know, how is that for you? It will really be an interesting feedback loop to find out that your assumption is not accurate. Well, because if we're giving, 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 and we think that that's what we're supposed to do, but then, and the other person's telling us, no, not that. First of all, that can be really scary because it's, oh right. shoot, if it's not that what, but the beauty of it is it's like, I don't need you to pour me 10 glasses of lemonade to love you. As a matter of fact, I prefer if you'll sit down next to me and just have a glass, a half a glass with me. So in other words, the new message then would be that I value you more then you think that you're valued right. by trying to earn it with all the lemonade. So what else? Okay. I have another one. This is, I think something that we could all fall under quite a bit. And that is getting back to projections, the way that we run our life, whether it's moralistically or whatever way, way we run our lives, we could project that that's the way people should be doing things. So then sometimes injury happens because of that projections. Like, they did this. I would never do that. Right. So the assumption is I would never do that. Like what? What's a good example? Well, the underpinning of this is that we can get much more hurt by somebody's behavior based on our own assumptions of how it would feel. Like one of the example could be, I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. And that is like, maybe somebody in general is more, I don't know if there's a good example, more introverted and somebody comes in and they do, does a lot of greetings and the other person doesn't greet back very much. Like it's kind of a minimalistic greeter back. And it's like, I would never do that. If I went in and said, hello, da, 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 I would always give it a response back. And so what we're basing it on is our assumptions of the way the world works. And when that person doesn't do it, then we're even more injured. But the assumption is that they're seeing and experiencing the world the same way we would do it. So I think the key oh. to that is our assumption is my, the, my way of being is really the accurate way of being. So somebody off that center is off. Yeah. No. And another example came to my mind too, around like just cultural differences with like speech and rate of speech and interrupting and stuff like that, that, you know, somebody from the South and somebody from the North, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who's rude, who's not rude, all of those things based on our cultural assumptions. So I think what you're kind of advocating is, especially if there's kind of a hitch or hiccup <laughs> that, one thing to check would be like, oh, this is how I read what you're doing. Is that right? Something like that. Kind of checking that out. And to question yourself, because another thing that can happen is that I can't think of an example for somebody. Somebody does something very insensitive. And so you feel it very insensitive. So you think they're thinking about your sensitivities and blowing them off. And yet maybe it didn't even hit their radar, right? Something doesn't hit their radar and it's not actually that they're being so insensitive. So you can make up a narrative about them, about being this really negative and sensitive person, but maybe the way their neurology fits, they just don't actually bring in the information. So if you're not checking that out to say, well, it's because you would be exquisitely sensitive to that, right? Like you would be completely sensitive. 
I don't know if this is a good example of that or not, but it makes me think about like, say somebody dating that hasn't dated very much. And so they're meeting the family. And so everybody in the family knows and the, and the date knows that this is a big deal, but the person might not realize that like, oh my gosh, like there's going to be a sewing circle after this and everybody's going to be evaluating your warmth and do you love the person? You know what I'm saying? That like, so I don't know if that's a good example or not. No, that well, it's a good example because the assumption of the other person, if that person came and they weren't actually, I, I just putting, thought we were just going to dinner with people. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> if they were if they weren't putting on their best front and asking a lot of questions and like doing what we do and we meet parents and they're like, what? I need to like put on something. Like you're just being themselves and you're not going out of your way to make the positive impression. The other person may leave going, you don't even care about me. They don't really care. When really they just didn't have the accurate assumption. They didn't share your assumption about what it would be about. That's a great example. All right. So another one that I think gets in the way, and I don't know if this fits your idea of the assumptions, but it's just a common thing is the idea of apologizing and what each person needs in that. So some people will quickly apologize, feeling like that that's the right thing to do to make repair but we don't know if that's going to be right because sometimes mm-hmm. a quick apology is a way of saying i'm sorry let's move move along move along let's skip past this and it will end up having the other person feel one like a burden to have to bring it back up because now you've already apologized what's wrong with you for needing something more different but that that right brain right brain but i don't know if you know what you're apologizing for or i didn't even get a chance to say what the hurt was so it's going to be hard for me to take in the apology in the way that is meant, I'm sure, which is like to be healing and to be reparative, to really let something go. So that was just a common one that I've seen. But on the other side, sometimes somebody wants a quicker apology. Mm -hmm. And yet the person might be really waiting to really understand and get what the crime or what the injury was to then really be able to to do that in a different way, but not using the right language (laughs) so that the person doesn't realize like there's actually a lot of work being done on this. And then they're really wanting to come back in. So just the idea of an apology can be a bid towards, but it also can be a form of dismissiveness. That's a really good point. And not to make assumptions based on the way you want to hear that apology, that that's how the other person's experiencing. So that one that's maybe thinking more deeply and holding, they might not quickly say, I'm sorry, but to make a presumption if they're not saying it, they're not feeling it, is misattuned. It's like you're basing it on your own assumptions. Related to that, I think people make assumptions that if I apologize, if I say that, okay, I acknowledge this, that I'm losing my power, that somebody's going to take advantage of me. I think that's a big assumption that lands out there. And sometimes people know that they know it's even not accurate, but they so deeply believe it. But the assumption is if I apologize without defense of self, yes, I did that, but then I'm going to be taken advantage of or judged more. And that is a very young assumption that we all can hold. And that assumption is really, really not true. Very rare. I could never say never, but rarely do people take advantage of an apology. They feel closer. They feel more equal to rather than above. Yeah, I totally agree. As a matter of fact, when you can do a really good apology, like, oh, crap, I did it again. And not only... Did I do it? I did it right after you had just told me about it. Like really being able to just take the hit of, I think of it like, you know, dang, I should have, could have had a V8. Like it's that level of, there's no skin off your back. As a matter of fact, right. it's, 
it's useful to kind of amplify it also partly so that you get it. The person, if you're having to apologize, then there's something that you're doing that you have intended not to do that you're doing. So the more that you can sort of study, it's like, God, why did I do that? That was a bonehead thing to do, you know, and then really doing more. Like I, I need to understand this better so that I can really, really embody more of what you're asking more from me. So I watch this in couples therapy all the time where the apology seems to be very, very hard for those individuals that see vulnerability is really threatening and it's so, so hard and they will frequently feel that they're will lose power. And, you know, we talk about whether being in power versus empowered, you know, if one is in power, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm sorry because I will lose my power. I'm no longer in power. And we talk about actually being empowered with an EM empowered means kind of being more equal and more connected and shared. And we'll notice that when we really help somebody say, I'm sorry, you look over and the other person relaxes and the warmth and the affection just kind of exudes. And they're like, can you take that in? And it, it takes time after time after time before that person's body who believes that they're losing power starts to believe it. And the more that they're able to experience it, it really does rewire. That is a rewiring. That is a really great example, Anne. And the thing is that the power does need to be lost. Like there is a power over there. So there's a reality to that. You do have to lose something. You have to give something up to get this greater thing. But the reason you're doing it is for that beautiful softness and that right to right relating that then is way better than being in control and being on top. I love what you just said, though, because it is giving power up. But the key is it's giving power up that's not serving you. It's so it's being in power. So you are, for those of you that are listening, my hands are over. <laughs> I forget now that we have the visual that you all can't see it. But when you are in power, in other words, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to say, I'm sorry, I'm never giving anything up because I will feel I'm going to lose power. Then you really are in a power over position. You're maintaining that. So you do have to lose that power over to come equal and that's the concept of what empowered is. And empowered means you're inside yourself. And in empowerment, you're so much more connected. So you're not actually going under the person. You're going equal to the person. That's the assumption that we're busting. When you give up being in power, you don't go under. You go more even. And that's the beauty. So let go of that assumption. That's a good one. Shall we end on that one? I like it. Let's end. Yeah, we could go many more, but let's make this a short one. Give everybody a break. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. And I really do love ending on that because it's a, it's a big one related yeah. to moving out of this. Again, it's a more insecure place that when you're power over, it's actually, you've got people gunning for you. You know what I mean? It's a hierarchical system and it's just a matter of time. And there's going to be somebody on top of you too, probably. And on top of them, yes. it's a dangerous system versus this empowered, like you're saying. That's why like, I think ending there and letting people just kind of relish that thought and, and having those kinds of relationships, you know, cultivating those relationships in all of your worlds, your schools and your workplaces. That's our note of today. Think about empowerment. 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 That's right. Yeah, I like that. Awesome. For sure, you guys, we could use a rating and review that helps other listeners find it. And that's what we'd be asking for today. And if this brings value to you, your loved ones, to your clients, think about joining our community. 
go to therapistuncensored slash join and become a supporter of our show. Not everybody can do that. We completely understand this. We are committed to getting this stuff out free every single time. But if it has meaning to you and you can afford it, it would mean a lot if you could jump on to Therapist Uncensored slash join and get ad-free listening to boot. That's right. It's as little as $5 a month. Okay. Thanks, Anne. This was fun. It was. All right. Thank you. And we'll see you around the bin. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson. 